0: did St. Thomas Aquinas have apparitions? Did he meet the Virgin Mary? Did he meet St. Peter? Did he meet St. Paul? According to Dominican tradition, yes. So today I'm going to be sharing four of my favorite stories about St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, Before I do, there's a lot of confusion about the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas. Is it today, January 28th, or is it March 7th? If you follow a traditional calendar, pre-Vatican II, it's March 7th. March 7th is the day that St. Thomas Aquinas died and went straight to heaven. No purgatory for him. Great saint. Mystic. Theologian. Doctor of the Church. However, after Vatican II, they did a remix of the calendar. I don't care. I would gladly discuss with someone the merits and demerits of the changes in the Catholic calendar since Vatican II. I personally believe, surprise, surprise, that it was a disaster. Many mistakes were made in changing and remixing Catholic calendar. And unfortunately, one of the victims is St. Thomas Aquinas. He's no longer commemorated on March 7th, the day he died in 1274. Instead, he is commemorated on January 28th, which is the day I'm recording this video. And people ask, well, what was significant about January 28th? And January 28th is the day in which the relics, the remains Do you know relics means remains? The relics, the remains of St. Thomas Aquinas were translated, they were moved, transferred from Fossa Nova to the Church of the Jacobins, the Dominican Church, in 1369. So, almost 100 years after the death of Thomas Aquinas. He died in 1274. His remains were moved in 1369. So, the new Vatican, post-Vatican II date for Thomas Aquinas is the date of the translation of his relics. But I'm making this video anyway because today is an important day. It's when his relics were transferred, and that's something that's often commemorated in Catholic tradition. All right, let's say a prayer. We'll do the Our Father, just the way Thomas Aquinas prayed it in Latin. Oremus nomini Patris et fidei et spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in caelis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimittimus debitoribus nostris, et nenos in ducas in tentationem, se libra nosa malo. Amen. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, well, a special day, the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, the translation of the relics of Thomas Aquinas, January 28th. All right, I'm gonna share four of my favorite stories. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas is not my favorite saint. My favorite saint is St. John the Apostle. St. John the Apostle, the beloved apostle, is my confirmation saint, And uh, I very much love St. John because he was close to the Sacred Heart. He placed his head on the chest of our dear Lord at the Last Supper. Uh, He stayed with our Lord during the Passion. And he took care of our Lord's Mother, Our Lady, when Christ says, Behold your son, behold your mother. And of course, I love my favorite gospel, St. John's Gospel, and I love the Apocalypse. I've done a 18-part podcast, audio commentary of every verse of the book of Revelation, The Apocalypse of St. John. It's here on YouTube. It's on iTunes, other places, and I highly recommend that you listen to the commentary I created on St. John's Gospel. But right up there with St. John is Thomas Aquinas. I love St. Thomas Aquinas. In fact, before I put out Infiltration or some other books, I was well-known for this little book I wrote called Thomas Aquinas in 50 Pages. And It's a short primer, an introduction that will give you a 101 knowledge of Thomas Aquinas. And the opening pages of Thomas Aquinas, in 50 pages, I think it's the first, I don't know, three or seven pages, something like that, is a short biography of Thomas Aquinas. And I'd encourage you to read that. Uh, A holy life, an interesting life, a mystical life. Uh, By the way, I'll send you a signed copy of this book. Uh, if you are a supporter of over at Patreon at certain levels, go to patreon.com forward slash dr taylor marshall. Assign it and I'll mail it to you. You can learn more at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Taylor Marshall. Now there's four stories that I love to tell. You know, I've taught Thomas Aquinas to seminarians, I've taught it to college kids, I've taught it online. And um, a lot of people think Thomas Aquinas is like a Vulcan. He's like uh, Spock. He's all rationality. He's all logic. He's like a robot. And you ask him a question and then a ticker tape comes out of his mouth and he gives, that's not who St. Thomas Aquinas was. He was poetic. He, the very last days of his life, as he was um, suffering from a brain injury, he was giving com- a poetic commentaries on the Song of Song, the Canticles of Canticles. Uh, He was a mystic, he uh, levitated, and he did have apparitions of at least three saints. And I'm gonna go over those today in his honor and hopefully to excite you, to encourage you to study and learn about St. Thomas Aquinas. So the teaser one that I, included on the title for this podcast was, did the Blessed Virgin Mary ever appear to Thomas Aquinas? I've actually met accomplished Thomists, people who study Thomas Aquinas. They've never heard of this story. Um, I don't know if it's apocryphal. I've heard it from Dominicans. I've heard it several times. I've read it. But the story goes that around the year 1265, so this would be the year that Thomas Aquinas's friend, St. Bonaventure. Let me just back up here. Thomas Aquinas was the greatest mind, besides Albert the Great, that the Dominicans had. And Bonaventure was the greatest mind that the Franciscans had. And they studied together in Paris. They received their, their master, which is really equivalent more to a doctorate, in Paris. At the same time, they were both ridiculed and challenged because they were of the mendicant orders that is the begging orders of the dominicans and the franciscans the benedictines and the seculars and the uh, augustinians weren't so sure about these newfangled orders called the dominicans and the franciscans and they tried to prevent these men these scholars from receiving their diplomas so they were friends they worked together you'll remember when the pope commissioned the corpus christi feast he asked bonaventure and thomas aquinas to write the lyrics, the music for the feast day. Both of them did. When Bonaventure heard Thomas Aquinas's, he tore up his own. And so what we celebrate at Corpus Christi in the traditional rite comes from Thomas Aquinas. In fact, when people hear the opening music of all my videos at New Saint Thomas at the New St. Thomas Institute, they're like, What is that music? I'm like, that's Thomas Aquinas. You're hearing Thomas, I mean not his voice, but you're hearing the music, the, the, the poetry the glory um, of Thomas Aquinas. He was not a robot. He was a mystic. I mean, he was super smart, but he was also a poet and a a mystic and a man with a a heart that was just swelling for our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to understand that the, the lives of Thomas Aquinas and Bonaventure parallel often. And in 1265, Bonaventure was appointed by the Pope as to become the Archbishop of York, in England, which is interesting. Uh, York, you know, goes way back in time. That's where Constantine was originally hailed as uh, Caesar. Bonaventure was reluctant about this. In fact, he actually never took possession of the archbishopric of York. So the story is around this time, Thomas Aquinas is worried. He's worried that the Pope is going to make him into a bishop. Thomas Aquinas was famous. He was widely consulted by kings, archbishops, cardinals, popes. He he was just recognized in his day as a man of great sanctity and and of great knowledge. So, all of this being the case, Bonaventure gets tapped to be a bishop. Thomas Aquinas is worried. Why is he worried? Well, if you read Thomas Aquinas' biblical commentaries, and I highly encourage people to do that. People read the Summa Theologiae, they read the Summa Contra Gentiles, um, they'll read his commentaries on Aristotle. All that's great. I've read it. But I think where Thomas Aquinas really shines is in his commentaries on Scripture. So if you read his commentaries on Hebrews and on, I can't remember if it's 1 Timothy or Titus, going off memory here, but he talks about how in his time period, the 1200s, the Episcopate is corrupt. He talks about how in the early church, I think this is in the commentary on 1 uh, Timothy, how in the early church there were, you know, he didn't say charismatic gifts, but what he talks about, there were miracles. There were gracious events that revealed who the Holy Spirit wanted to lead. And he gives some examples like, I think it's Pope Fabian, uh, St. Nicholas, uh, Timothy, Titus, and others, um, that there was this, manifestation of who should be a bishop. But in his time, the 1200s, not so much. And so you have all these men who are performing the office of bishop who are unworthy, who are worldly, who are given to sin, who are given to the flesh. And there's, I mean, he recognizes what's so kind of amazing. We think about our time period. Uh Think about even in the 1200s, Thomas Aquinas. So he begs the Blessed Virgin Mary, please don't let the Pope choose me as a bishop. Please don't let the Pope choose me as a bishop. And he's actually concerned, anxious that he will become a bishop, which will introduce him into a world of corruption. Remember, I'll get to this next story. You know, his family had set him up for a Catholic ecclesiastical life of success which he threw away. He ran away from it, literally ran away from it and became a Dominican friar, poor, homeless in a way. So he begs and begs and begs the Blessed Virgin Mary and she appears to him. This is the one apparition that I know of, of the Blessed Virgin Mary to St. Thomas Aquinas. And her apparition is simply to confirm to Thomas Aquinas that she has interceded for him and granted the favor that he asked, that Christ has agreed through the intercession of the Virgin Mary that Thomas Aquinas will not be a bishop. And until his death in 1274, he was never appointed, certainly not consecrated, as a bishop. So his one, it's interesting, his one deep prayer, and then his apparition of the Virgin Mary was, don't worry, you won't be a bishop. Which goes as a warning for clergy who are trying to climb the ladder of the hierarchy, like Theodore McCarrick did. Here's a great saint who had all the gifts and the knowledge to be a great bishop, but who realized that that vocation could perhaps corrupt him. So that's one story. There's three other stories about Thomas Aquinas that I like. They won't take as long. The first one is his vocation to the Dominicans. Uh, His family wanted him to be the abbot of Monte Cassino. I've been to Monte Cassino in Italy. It's beautiful. In fact, my wife, when we were there, she's like, if anything happens to you, I want to come and live here as a nun. I mean, it is just a beautiful vista, a beautiful monastery. It's just everything's lovely about it. And I remember standing there and thinking Thomas Aquinas gave, I mean, of course, it's been rebuilt after World War II. It's not what Thomas Aquinas saw. But I was thinking Thomas Aquinas gave all of this up to study dusty books with the Dominicans. Anyway, his family wanted him to be the abbot at Monte Cassino, which would be the abbot at the number one monastery in the entire known world. And in order to dissuade Thomas from becoming a Dominican and choosing the life of a Benedictine abbot, they brought in a woman of the night, a harlot into his quarters. I imagine to seduce them. I mean, this is, I don't recommend families doing this, all right? You know, this is like sex trafficking. It's not good. Thomas Aquinas, seeing this harlot in his room, ran to the fireplace, pulled out a smoldering log, there's many art depictions of this, and chased the prostitute out of his room. Locked the door, took the log, the smoldering log, and on the wall, made in the charcoal, with the charcoal, the sign of the cross on the wall, and fell down on his knees to adore his crucified Lord, the cross of our salvation. And immediately, two angels, angels of purity, appeared to him and placed around his waist an angelic girdle. And immediately from that moment forward, All temptation to lust, the vice of lust, left his body. And from that moment until his death, he was never again tempted towards lust, sins of the flesh. Because of this heavenly, miraculous gift and reward for keeping his chastity. Soon after, as I explain in the book, I highly recommend you get the book, Thomas Aquinas, 50 pages. He sneaks out of a window, he runs away, and he goes and he joins the Dominicans, says goodbye to his family, so long to them. I mean, they got some awkward ideas about vocation discernment. And joins the Dominicans. So that's another story that I think highlights, we, yesterday we were talking about Pope Francis and origin stories. This is the orig, one of the origin stories of, of St. Thomas Aquinas. The third story that I like about Thomas Aquinas This just shows the level of his intellect and the source of his knowledge. Uh, When he was writing his commentaries on St. Paul's epistles, by the way, you know, I've talked about how I collect papal coins. Another thing that I have that I treasure, I shouldn't even be saying this because people are going to try to steal it from me. I have an ancient copy in Latin. It's a big old folio book of the commentaries of St. Thomas Aquinas in, uh, on St. Paul's epistle printed in Latin in big folio. And what's great is the very front cover of it is a long inscription by a cardinal from the, I think, mid-1700s who writes an inscription. It's, it's a beautiful text. It's one of my prized possessions because I so value the commentary of Thomas Aquinas. People say, what's a good Bible commentary, Marshall? What should I, I'm reading the New Testament. I say, Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas and Cornelius Alapide is what I say. And like, Thomas Aquinas? He's like a philosophy guy. I'm like, look, Thomas Aquinas on the New Testament is second to none. So anyway, while he's writing his commentaries on St. Thomas Aquinas, the secretary of St. Thomas Aquinas was called Friar Reginald. And he would hear at night, Thomas Aquinas conversing with other men in his monastic cell, in his Dominican cell. Who are these mysterious men? And how are they getting in to the room of Thomas Aquinas at night? And how are they getting out? Apparently, other friars noticed this. It was reported to the prior. The Dominican prior Brings in Thomas Aquinas and says, hey, uh, you having guests at night? Thomas Aquinas says, nothing. W- the brothers are hearing you in your room talking. You're not talking yourself. There's other men in there that you're talking with at night. Who are these mysterious men? Thomas Aquinas says, nothing. The Dominican prior says, under obedience, Thomas, tell me. Who are these men in your quarters, in your room? Thomas Aquinas says, under obedience, I will tell you, but don't tell anyone else. You know how I'm writing the commentaries on the New Testament? Yes. Well, I pray at night to Peter and Paul to assist me in writing the commentaries. The Father says, yes. Well, Peter and Paul actually visit me in my room. Apparitions of Peter and Paul in my room. And we discuss their epistles, the passages that they have written. And they tell me the meanings of their words that they wrote down in the epistles. This is why the epistles, I mean the commentary on the epistles by St. Thomas Aquinas Are so glorious. If this is true, and I believe it's true, Thomas Aquinas was receiving guidance on his commentary from none other than the authors of those epistles. This is why one of my most prized possessions in my life is that I have this ancient copy of Thomas Aquinas' commentary on the epistles. Okay, so that's my third favorite story about Thomas Aquinas, and now I'll get to my fourth, and this is my final. Do you like Thomas Aquinas? He's great, isn't he? He's interesting. He's a mystic. He's not just a Vulcan. He has a heart. All right, the fourth story. On the Feast of St. Nicholas, and I've noticed in several passages, Thomas Aquinas has a devotion to St. Nicholas. Is it because Nicholas gave the heretic slap, the H slap, to Arius, that he was such a defender of true theology like Thomas was. I don't know. But on the feast of of St. Nicholas, which is December 6th, patron trade of children, in the year before he died, well, within the 12 months, because he dies March 7th. Okay, so this is December 6th. uh, I guess this would be 1273. He dies March 7th, 1274. So a few months before. Thomas Aquinas is celebrating the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, the traditional Latin Mass. Okay, He wasn't one of these Novus Ordo guys making up his own prayers of the people and all that. He was saying the old Mass. Something happened on December 6th, the Feast of St. Nicholas, during the Mass. We don't know. There's another story of Thomas Aquinas... Elevating in prayer in the chapel of St. Nicholas. As I understand, that's a different episode than the one that we're talking about now. So at one point, he was actually floating off the ground in prayer in a chapel dedicated to St. Nicholas. This is now the feast of St. Nicholas. And during the Mass, something happened. A revelation happened. After the Mass, Thomas Aquinas told Brother Reginald, the same Reginald I talked to you about before, that he would no longer be writing the Summa Theologiae. He's done. This is about four months before he died. Now, just so you understand, Thomas Aquinas would write, I've heard, been told, up to six books at a time. So there'd be six scribes in a room, and Thomas Aquinas here. And he'd be writing a commentary on, I don't know, Aristotle's um, Metaphysics. So he would recite two or three lines, and that scribe would start writing in Latin. right? And then Thomas Aquinas would speak Latin to the next one who's writing a commentary on Romans, and that one starts writing there. And then the next one's writing a commentary on Dionysius, and he's writing, and then he goes all the way. Maybe the next one's writing a commentary on, um, I don't know, Hebrews. And then he comes back to the next one. So he's, he's in his mind writing six books at one time and dictating the scribes. But his main scribe, and the scribe who was working on the Summa Theologiae with him, which is his magnum opus. He says, hey, we're done. We're not writing Summa Theologiae anymore. And Reginald's like, what? We're getting to the end. We're, we're halfway through the seven sacraments. Like, we're, we see the finish line. We're finishing up the Summa Theologiae. Like, let's do this. Thomas says, we're not doing it. And all he says is that, for, compared to what he had seen, everything he had written seems like straw. You know, straw, like you feed the horses. Compared to what he had seen in Mass, some revelation, some vision apparition, everything he had written up until that point seemed like straw. Now, I'm a great lover, defender, and apologist for Thomas Aquinas. And I hear people wrongly say that Thomas Aquinas said everything he wrote was straw. That's not what he said. In other words, Thomas Aquinas isn't saying everything I've written up until now is junk. It's no good. Disregard it. Some people present it like that, like Thomas Aquinas was sort of renouncing what he had done. If he was renouncing what he'd done, we should not be reading it. No, he says, compared to what he had seen, which is some vision of God or the Holy Trinity, everything he's written seems like strong. In other words, it's a comparison. I guarantee you, if you saw Almighty God in the glory of heaven, anything else, even if it were good, like a beautiful icon of Christ or the Virgin Mary that you liked, that would seem like just barely even a shadow of the reality that you had actually seen in heaven. Does that make sense? So what did he see that day? We don't know. (laughs) Nobody knows. As far as I know, even Reginald, Brother Reginald, didn't even know. But it does reveal that he wasn't caught up in intellectual pride. He wasn't worried about his legacy, his theological legacy. He didn't need to tie up the Summa Theologiae and put a bow on it. It's a great example for authors and writers. i got to remind myself of this, you know. We're not creating a bibliography to get pats on the back. It should all be about teaching people about Christ, the truth, the glory of God, drawing people to Christ, All right. I'll share one more. I shared four stories. A fifth story that I like about Thomas Aquinas is when he didn't know the answer to something, he would sneak into the church when no one was there and he would place his head on the tabernacle and listen for Christ to teach him. So this shows that he loves the Eucharist. He's a mystic. He's not just like a bookworm or a nerd. He is a passionate disciple and lover of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you are inspired by him. I hope you learn more about him. If you don't want to just start reading the Summa Theologiae, you just want an intro, get my book, Thomas Aquinas in 50 Pages. Or get it at the library, or whatever. uh, And get to know him. At the end of Thomas Aquinas in 50 Pages, if you like it, I give you recommendations of other books about Thomas Aquinas and by Thomas Aquinas to take step two, step three, step four. So this is just an intro. This is just putting your toes in the pool, right? You're not jumping off the diving board in the deep end. You just put your toes in the pool. Check it out. If you like it, then maybe go down one or two steps into the shallow end, get into the baby pool. But eventually I hope that you'll go over the deep end, get on, the high dive and do a big cannonball and become a Thomist. And uh, if we can make the world a more Thomistic place, I'm happy. I love Thomas Aquinas and I hope you love him too. One of the things you can do to go to the next level is I offer an entire course on Thomas Aquinas and his philosophy and his theology. It's called the Certificate in Philosophy and Thomistic Studies. And you can take that at NewStThomas.com. That's right. I have an online institute named after Thomas Aquinas. It's called NewStThomas.com. And I teach courses on Old Testament based on Thomas Aquinas, New Testament based on Thomas Aquinas, theology based on Thomas Aquinas, liturgy. I even go through the Latin Mass. Thomas Aquinas talks about all the mystical symbolism in the traditional Latin Mass. Did you know Thomas Aquinas did that? and I go through all of that at newstthomas.com. So again, if you want to go to the deep end and jump in and do a swan dive or do a cannonball whatever your style is and get into Thomas Aquinas and Thomism and Thomistic thought and philosophy and apologetics and scripture and all that, you can do that over at Thomas Aquinas uh, sorry, newstthomas.com, New St Thomas Institute and uh, we have helped hundreds of people Uh, Get into Thomas Aquinas, take courses, read, study, and go deep. So check that out at newstthomas.com. And we will close in a prayer. Another great thing Thomas Aquinas did is he wrote a commentary on the Ave Maria, the Hail Mary. And I highly encourage people to, to read his commentary on the Hail Mary. Of course, you know I love the Hail Mary. I love the rosary. So we will close in praying the Hail Mary, the Ave Maria in Latin. With the very words, word for word, syllable for syllable, as Thomas Aquinas prayed it: Oremus in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tu Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or prenobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Saint Thomas Aquinas, pray for us in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pray the rosary every day. You know, the rosary was given to St. Dominic, and St. Thomas Aquinas was a Dominican. So pray that rosary every single day. Pray the rosary, or you're not on the team. You want to be truly Thomistic? Pray the rosary every single day. See, maybe you can kind of see Taylor Marshall is all about Thomas Aquinas. That's his whole life passion. He's also always telling us, always pray the rosary every single day, which is a Dominican devotion. Thomas Aquinas is Dominican. Rosary is Dominican. Get it? Uh, somewhat Julius says, Dominicans invented the rosary. Wrong. The Dominicans received the rosary from the Virgin Mary. You can learn all about that in another book. Rosary in 50 pages. I go through the whole Dominican origin of the rosary in that little book. Guess how many pages each one of these books is? A little bit over 50 pages. Not exactly 50 pages. But, you know, Thomas Aquinas in 54 pages and rosary in 53 pages doesn't sound as good. So it's rosary in 50 pages, Thomas Aquinas in 50 pages. All right, friends. Thanks for watching. Please share this video with your friends. Please give it a thumbs up, a like, if you like Thomas Aquinas and learning about it. Please share it on Facebook. And if you're new and you want to get cool info like we learned today, please subscribe. You can do that in the bottom right corner or below. And when you do, hit that bell and you'll be notified when I go live as I am today. Also, if you want to learn the Rosary in Latin, you can do it through the book I just had on the screen, Rosary in 50 Pages. You can also, there's a whole playlist here on YouTube of me teaching you about the history of the rosary, how to pray the rosary, and then how to pray the rosary in Latin and pronounce it and all that. You can get all that here on YouTube for free. And if you want to learn about how to go to the Latin Mass and all the responses and how to do the ribbons and the different kinds of Latin Masses, I have a whole course, guess what, over at NewStThomas.com. And it's buy one, get nine free. So you want to learn about Thomas Aquinas? Well, guess what? You also get the class on Latin Mass. You want to learn about Latin Mass? You get the class on Thomas Aquinas. It's all included. I just want you to know about it. So check that out at NewStThomas.com. Until next time, remember our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth, so go out there and be salty. God bless, Godspeed. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us.